Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About Thrones, House of the Dragon Edition, episode four of the first season. I don't even know what the name is. I don't care. I'm so excited to talk about this episode. <laughs> Richard, do you know what the name of this episode was? I do. King of the Narrow Sea. That is what Damon claimed those in the Stepstones region were calling him these days. Sounds good. We have our own Queen of the Narrow Sea here. Jenny Josephson, how are you? Brothels are the best. Put your uncle to the test. (laughs) 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 Huh. Okay, we are going to go through this episode chronologically for the most part because I have something to set up. So, I'm so glad I screwed up last week and couldn't drive and Jenny took over so I got to drive this week. So happy, so happy. Okay, we're going to start off (laughs) with a, a, a scene of a courtship. There are suitors lined up for Rhaenyra's hand. And this is an interesting series of events. This uh, Richard and I wa- rewatched this part of it at least uh, a little while ago, and got to tell you, this is possibly my favorite scene that involves people I don't know in the entirety of Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh wow. wow! Wow! Yeah, Bachelorette, uh, Royal Th- Throne Edition. Yeah, Westeros Edition. Um, <laughs> Okay, so this is at Storm's Keep, which is the traditional home of the Baratheon line. Or Storm's End? Storm's End. Um, and the house, the lord of, of the Baratheon house is sitting beside Rhaenyra. She's welcoming... His name is Dickhead Baratheon, I think. <laughs> I, that, that sounds good. Um, the first one to... First suitor up is a name we all should recognize. Uh, Beric Dondarrion. Okay, here's my problem. Mm-hmm. All right, I was up till two in the morning, being like, "Now, what house was this?" Remind <laughs> me who the Dondarians are. Beric Dondarian is the same name of the person that kept getting resurrected in the original series. Oh, snapsticks! So what? Yes, that's how long he's been getting re- resurrected. Maybe, I, I, or he's an uncle, or, or a he's cousin, an, or yeah, or, or he's just an ancestor. Yeah, but oh, either way, he bears the same gosh. name. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so so you, you go from a really old man to a child, as Renera points out. Uh, the child, I don't know that these, these names matter much. I know it's all up in the histories and stuff like that. But the child has, his family has a problem with one of the other suitors in the room. And they battle, have a little battle of wits. And the the older dude that starts the the the, the verbal jousting ends up getting stabbed right up through this, the middle by the, by the kid. Mm-hmm. Don't mess yep. with the first men. Right. Uh, something and, and come up right. Like he yeah. was razzing him. Yep. Like, w- was he offering anything to the court at the time? No, he was just giving this guy shit because of and family calling history. nasty names. Right. Um, Little note, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but after the kid pulls the sword out and steps away, you, uh, Rhaenyra uh, turns and looks at the scene and it shows the scene before um, before her knight in shining armor jumps in the way and says, don't look. You can see the boy, as he's holding a sword, the, uh, the guy that he killed spits up a bunch of blood 
and the boy begins to throw up, which is like a common thing when a, when a person has their first kill, they often throw up. So this was likely that kid's first time actually killing anyone. This is not the last time we're seeing that character. No. I, right. I, I want it. to see him again. Yeah. I absolutely want to see him again. Yep. Yep. First of all, he looks like he's 12 years old and he's got the balls to go up to the princess and be like, yo, want to get it on? <laughs> but he said something that no one else said, which is, I will keep you safe. Yes. Yes. You, you, you will be safe under my protection. You yeah. mean you weren't won over by the wonderful views from the kingdom and, <laughs> excuse me, well, I can't drink water. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So that was cool. And then Rhaenyra's like, we're out of here. They bounce. They hop on the boat. They start heading back. You find out that it's been a while. We don't know exactly how long yet, but that will come up. It's been four years. It's been four years since the start of the series. So this is another year removed from the last episode we saw. Um, Damon comes flying by on his dragon. He's a total dick. He comes flying by, you know, doing a flyby of the boat. Boops the boat. Yeah. Dragon like, boop. Exactly. Like, just a total dick. Okay. Um, <laughs> then we get to a, a beautiful little scene with uh, Alicent and Rhaenyra. Mm. Where... You can actually see their friendship starting to rekindle. And I thought this was really, really awesome. I thought it was wonderful. I thought they did a very good job of showing them both kind of making an effort this time, as opposed to just being Alicent trying to make peace this right. time they were coming together. And it's kind of like we talked about last week where it seemed as though we hoped anyway, that now R Rhaenyra's was at the end of her three years of brattiness yeah. and now it's time to get on with things. Yep. Um, she, yes. And in game of Thrones that always ends well. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. Uh, th this was a great setup in that Rhaenyra came up and was talking to the king and Damon while they were having their little gesturely fun about who was mom's favorite as they were growing up. And uh, uh, Alicent is rebuked by the king about the tapestries. He doesn't want to see the tapestries, which kind of puts her, shows her aside. And then Rhaenyra is there when she's not supposed to be because she's supposed to be at Storm's End for another couple months, you know, finding a suitor. And um, she gets rebuked on that. So she leaves and then Allison goes and joins her and they have this moment on the park bench and they both identify that the thing that they are complaining about, the other is suffering. And it kind of reminds them that, you know, they, they have a common cause, like neither one of them are where they want to be. And that is just the way that that was portrayed is just wonderful. And it they do really that without was. saying that. Yeah. 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 And and again, a lot of face acting in this. Like you can see the pain on Allison's face when Rhaenyra is talking about being stuck in a castle and being made to bear, you know, uh, heirs. You can see the pain on Allison's face and it's just an amazing job by the actress. And um, Jenny. My favorite uh, thing is uh, that when they were talking about the tapestries, all I could think of was Indiana Jones saying, we want to see the tapestries. 
<laughs> or, or not. Sorry, you yeah. had a real question. Yeah. Well, my question to you was, I got the feeling that when she said that, it wasn't until she said it that she realized what she had just said. Yeah. I think going on the procession of marriage probably made her feel a lot softer towards Allison, who has really mm-hmm. been nothing but good to her this whole time. There's yep. never been a moment when Allison actually wasn't trying to have just about everybody's best interest at heart. <laughs> right. Right. If if anybody in this, like Allison is the only innocent person that's just doing what she's told and trying to make everybody happy. Again, yeah. always ends well. I know. You don't have to remind me. Don't become too attached. <laughs> to anybody. Um, yeah. And then, so we cut from that to a little scene with Rhaenyra and Damon. And this is the first of the parts that I must highlight. This is step one. This is this is the first step in of this grooming? episode. No. No, 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 no. No, you're wrong. Okay. But we'll get into that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you have to wait until step three before you realize what's going on. And then there's a step four that is just beautiful. Um, so this is step one. Uh, Rhaenyra and Damon have this little talk, mostly in uh, Valyrian, which, or Valyrianish. I don't know how that would conjugate. High Valyrian? Yeah, High Valyrian. There we go. I went to write it down, and I then I realized I didn't know what it was. So Quenya, said, they're talking their native Quenya. tongue. <laughs> so, so they have a conversation in Pig Latin, and it's <laughs> it, it's basically their convers their their coming to conversation about how they just kind of missed each other, and they're being a little a little you know jagged. They're poking each other a little bit, and then um, the at the end of the conversation, towards well towards the end of the conversation. Damon looks at Rhaenyra and says, you've um, you've matured quite a bit in the last while as well, in the last four years or whatever as well. And that is the first step into Damon's plan. And it's it's a beautiful setup. His grooming plan. No. Um, so. <laughs> so. I'm not denying the grooming was occurring, but that wasn't his plan. So. Sure. It's a power. He's doing power. And it's inadvertently also underage grooming. Yes, yes, that 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 I will I will I will accept. So uh, towards the end of that, uh, Renard tells Damon how she basically just wants to be free. She wants to be let loose and and not so constrained by everything. Then she goes back to her chambers. There's a bag. Her stuff's out of order. There's a bag. She opens the bag. It's got some commons commoners clothes and a map of her room with a secret door identified. She puts on the clothes, goes down the secret door, and who does she find at the end of the passage? Oh, the guy that knows all the passages in the castle, Damon. Are we allowed to talk about Damon Targaryen's haircut from hell? <laughs> Did they really? cut off his hair in the crab battle? No. No, he arrived all disheveled, so it was between his arrival and the celebration that he had a haircut. Well, it didn't go well, that haircut, because... It's not the flock no. of seagulls part. That part was okay. It was the just the misshapen back that made it look like a giant's haircut. I don't know. It was terrible. I thought that King actually said you cut your hair. 
<laughs> so yeah. his hair was short when he arrived in in uh, yeah in Kingsland. No, I know, but it was terrible. Oh, was it? Okay, yep. I missed I missed that. Sorry. Yep. Like, he was I mean, wearing the crab the crab crown. Yeah. He. Yeah. I, all I saw was the crown. I th- I think he used the crab claws to cut his hair to show off the crown when he arrived in King's Landing. Sure. <laughs> but it, I, it's not my favorite Damon Targaryen look. Right. I don't think I'm it's going real deep here, favorite? guys. I don't think, anyway. I don't, I don't think it's anybody's favorite. <laughs> they go out on the city. At the same time they're going out on the city, um, Alicent is being called to the king's chamber. I'm going to cover can this. We, oh, can, can, can I back you up a little bit? Mm. I want to talk about the way in which he got her out to the city, which I thought was really kind of cool and cloak and nagger, right? He he leaves this sack of uh, presum- presumably clothing that she ends up wearing as Commerce something clothes. of a disguise mm-hmm. and, and a, a map, and a, including a beanie, and something of a map, if you will, in uh, of a secret door in her chambers – that leads her to be able to escape from the castle, which is just sets this up as like this adventure. Yes. Yes. Like a treasure map. But at the end, it was like just a Damon. treasure map. But Damon's and you have to go map. past the responsibility dragon to get there, which is a nice touch. Yes. Yep. Old Baylor the Powerful. Um, so they got on the city. The king calls for the queen. Um, this is the uh, she had helped with him with the bath earlier, where we got to see his sores, and now we get to see even more of his sores because he's grunting and groaning while she's laying there. And I think she was imagining the movie The Lion King well before it's time because <laughs> she was not yeah. she was not there in the bed with the king. She her mind was elsewhere. Uh, it's called Point Your Toes and Think of Handbags as coined by Megan Mullally on Will and Grace. <laughs> That's brilliant. Wow. I do love that. that yes, is- point your toes and think of handbags. And this is intertwined with the with back the tr- and forth. Yeah, with the tryst with around the city. S- right. Yeah. Grooming. Right. Stage two. No, this isn't even. This isn't even. St- st- no, well, I know. This, the, this is they're having innocent uncle the, cousin the, fun. This is this is definitely step two, but in the beginning, he's really just endearing himself to his niece. Like this yes. s- starts out really nice, and he gives her perspective. Like this is an important growing moment for Rhaenyra, even aside from the grooming part of it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. For her to yep. get out in the city yep. and see the commoners and see the play. It, poking fun at her directly and her claim to Super the throne. Super important. I mean, these are this is like a developmental stage. This is something that had to happen for Anira for her continued growth as a character. And then Damon shows Rhaenyra that sex isn't just a chore that women do. It can actually be pleasurable. Especially when it's with your uncle. And then he... <laughs> he in, in all fairness, he set the stage. She went up... To the she's she, he set the stadium. She took the plate. So wait, can we talk about one important thing that happened before that? Since it'll definitely factor in, is they bumped into someone they knew. 
Mm. A guard, right? Yes. Or a knight, or Sir, sir uh, just happened to be there. Sir so-and-so, yeah. 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 So that will factor. Yep. I, don't, I don't think it factors as much as you think, but we'll get to that too. Next next year, it'll factor. Yeah, yeah that could be. That could be. Um, there are... They, they end up in a in a brothel. Damon sets the stage, gives Rhaenyra every reason to go with her little uncle crush. And as soon as she does, he basically dejects her and then goes away. And Well, I think he, I, I like to interpret it as a moment of conscience. And I know that's probably the wrong thing to take away from it. But he was like, oh, can I uh, deflower my niece in a pleasure house? Uh, or is that just too bad even for me? Uh, I take the optimistic approach. I don't know why. You can have another approach. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is like, I've already caused the trouble, but I'm not going to seal the deal. Yeah, right. I, I I have a hard time. I don't know. I have a hard time believing that that was consciousness on his part. Now, we'll talk about this later, I'm sure. In the behind the scenes, they talk about he's not able to do it. Now, you may interpret that a number of ways. Uh, I interpret that as the universe's way of telling him that, no, this is a bridge too far. I mean, at least for now. For now. Um, I I don't take it either one of those ways. I take it as he, because when they went into the brothel, he had removed his cloak, his disguise. On the way in, he removed her beanie from her head, showing her mm. hair. The only people in the entire kingdom that have the perfect platinum hair are the Targaryens. So everyone knew who they were when they were in there. That's a fair point. There was no hiding it. He removed those disguises and disclosed who they were going in. The point of them going in there was to make a show and to get the rumor going, not to actually copulate the deal. So he leaves without, without blaspheming his niece. Although, it sets the second step in motion, and that's all that Damon needed. Of his power play, yeah. Yes, okay. Because Damon, in this moment, he's been a an uncle this entire night. Until this moment, in in this moment, he's playing the Game of Thrones, mm. and he's doing it exceptionally well. It works out, yep. but we'll get to that. We still have step three and step four to go. Yeah, and before we get. Before we leave this, like I look at that whole scene and, you know, people may think of it as unseemly or I can't believe he took her there. That was a really important part of her education. And whatever his motives were, whatever his motivation was, that was probably one of the best things that could have happened for her as a human being at that point in her life. Right, right, definitely. Right, it taught her what was possible. Yeah. Well, this this whole this whole this whole scene of them going through the city is just an elevation of her mind and her mindset and her growth in all aspects. So, um, okay, so we we 
we're cutting away from that. Damon disappears. She leaves the brothel and calls his name, or she calls his name in the brothel, which if anybody was doubting, they now know. And then she goes and she leaves and she stops for a moment trying to figure out which way to go. And then she leaves. And then you see a little boy that saw her follow after her. Mm-hmm. And I had a hard time seeing that because can I mention, like I have for the last three episodes, that, oh my God, this was dark. And I mean, I, hard to see. I, I think maybe you need to reset your gamma because I didn't have any problem seeing it at all. <sighs> I had to turn out the light for sure. I, maybe I need to stop watching it in the daytime. Yes. Because that's, I, I mean, it is it, impossible. It comes on on Sunday see. nights, not, not Monday afternoons, man. Come on. <laughs> I am too tired on Sunday night. I watch it on Monday morning. I am too tired on Sunday Dark night. room. Yeah, get up earlier or something. <laughs> yeah. I, it was it was just so hard to see. And frankly, that was a scene that I was okay not seeing. Uh, I'll get to that in a second as well. And Rhaenyra goes back to her chamber. And she goes to the front way instead of sneaking around the back, probably because she would not be able to find her way back. She goes back into her chamber, and good old Sir Platinum Knight is there watching Kristen. her. Kristen Cole is watching her chamber. He's like, well, how did she go from inside to outside, and then now she's back inside? They have this scene where she essentially, without saying so, tells him that she's not taking no for an answer, and she takes him to bed. Uh, You guys, I'm going to say something so wrong, which is, my uncle gave me the tickle. Bring your pickle. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she really was just like, you're the good guy who's hot. Uh, And and it's like they sort of like tried to do female gaze because instead of her taking off her clothes, they took off all of his uh, silverware that he was wearing. Uh, But still, and like they tried to make it very uh, female-y empowerment. But in the end, she was, she, her uncle pushed her to a step that uh, could gotten both of them killed. True. Sure. True. And he resists initially. He clearly recognizes he is violating his oath when he, what, what, now you're, what you're reacting. In the literature, he rebukes her. Okay. The literature is written from the point of uh, the point of view of a bard, a jester, by the name of Mushroom. So the literature is knowingly skewed to what Mushroom wrote about these times. It is also important to note that in this chapter, these chapters of the story, Mushroom did express his exploits of his. Very enormous cock. So, there might be some exaggeration in the literature, but I wanted to mention that this part of it does differ from the literature versus the show. Very interesting. So, now I'm I'm a little bit confused by this fictitious literature of this fictitious story, but okay. So, so we have a scene where – I thought personally, and 
maybe I'm skewed because I really just wanted them to have a moment. I thought this was a beautiful scene. I thought, you know, we talked about last week how the two of them have respect and trust for each other. And I felt like them coming together. Yes, she came in hot and bothered, but she, this scene was slowed down and this scene seemed like they genuinely like come them genuinely coming together and wanting to be together. This scene and the brothel scene are the first times I have seen anything in the show, the entire show, the entire eight and a half seasons or whatever we're at now, where it is obvious and highly appreciated on my part that this episode, these scenes were directed by a woman. There was, Which we find out later. There was massive amounts of nudity. There was sex everywhere. And yet, it was still tastefully done to where it wasn't just gratuitous boobs and cocks all over the screen. It was done yeah. in a way that, can, that gives you a sense of what's going on doesn't deny you the visual of you know not not uh, it, it doesn't deny you the the idea that there might be clothed behind the, the the plant that's perfectly placed but it does it in a way that still remains some tact and some tastefulness and it's not just gregarious nudity everywhere it's it's still there but it's not it, it, it's just it's very tastefully done the sex scene and I mean, both sex scenes, if you if you want to get down to it, and the brothel scene are all done so well. And I'm glad to see that they, in their infinite wisdom, for the first time in four seasons of this show, because the last, last female-directed episode was uh, episode six of season four of the main show. This is the first time in almost five seasons of the show that they've had a female directing. And this woman, I don't know who she is. But she did amazing, and it was done. What's with the care. name of the director? I can't. I can't find it. I had it. I thought I'd written it down, but I didn't. But she did. Awesome. I will go searching while you continue conversation. Yeah, I I did really like this episode, and I like the contrast of like the they're showing you marriage for power versus making choices, mm-hmm. and the freedom of making choice versus not having a choice and how that comes and plays in later. And also like they're showing you that uh, they're showing you rather than telling you that women are not the same. They tell you later, but they are about to show you that, that what they've been yammering about for three episodes. And I like that. Right. Show don't tell, right? Um, and Claire Kilner is the director's name. Claire Kilner, yes. Cool. And I believe she was the last person to direct an episode as well. I think the episode episode six of season four was under her direction as well. And she is directing the this as one of the first of three four, consecutive yeah. episodes. No, is it? It's not consecutive, right? It's four, five, and nine. Oh, is it? Yeah. I, okay, I thought. I thought it was four, five, and six. I think it's four, five, and nine that she's directing six, this. Four, five, upside six. down nine numbers. <laughs> Dyslexia hard. is hard. Um, okay. 
So I call this scene uh, bed, bath, and bedding. Uh, yeah. Because that's essentially what happened between uh, uh, Allison and... Bed, bath, and be yuck. <laughs> there you go. I was looking for something for the last one. Bedding is the best I come up with. Um, either way, I as much as the scene with Allison was uncomfortable for obvious reasons, the th- these scenes between the two sex scenes and the um, the brothel perfectly done. I thought I don't know that it could have been done any better, other than turning off the lights in Richard's room so he could see everything that was going on. Yeah, I might have liked that in the last scene, but anyway, <laughs> so. So, um, this doesn't stay, everything that happened doesn't stay quiet for very long now, does it? Just no. like high school. So, <laughs> so the hand is called down to the court, um, and told that the white worm has a message. And Ooh. the boy that saw Rhaenyra comes through the gate and is, you were left to assume that he told the hand that he saw Rhaenyra leaving the brothel. Then, Smash cut to Damon waking up with Masaria over him, his old betrothed, almost mother of the child, whatever, whatever. She is saying that she's protecting him, that she is no longer your common or uncommon whore. And she has learned that the game of skin doesn't take her any further. Masaria is a new Viserys. I wonder. She is now the white worm is now the the is the new spider. Wow. So that run in in the alley with the sir, I don't think that had anything to do with this part. This was all Missaria and her little whispers. Right. Perfectly sensible, but also that night it, like remember they were able to deny what happened with them because it only came from one source and it was a spy source and, and Hightower couldn't retrieve his sources that you don't put a knight wandering in the hallways and seize both of them. If, uh, if it ain't coming back in an, in another episode. Well, I think it actually comes back later in this episode in the very, very last scene. Okay. So, uh, hand the hand passes Hightower Auto Hightower passes the hand or passes the information to the king. Um, the queen is there; she hears it, and the king re- rebukes him a little bit. Like he he doesn't want to he doesn't come out and say, "Okay, this is cool." Things he pushes off the information, but doesn't dig too deep into it. Like he still accepts the accusation of Rhaenyra and Damon getting it on in the brothel. Even though he's he stands against the hands, um, you know, telling him this, it's kind of a maneuvering. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a weird, a weird thing where he's. You can see that that um, Rhaenyra's has some some consternation about Otto Hightower being his hand. Like you can tell that he's he's seen the pieces on the board, even though he doesn't. He's not sure that Otto's playing the way he thinks he is. And we've talked about how. Their motivations, and I say they, the Hightowers, but primarily his motivations seem conflicted. But in this particular scene, the king's rebuke, if that's the right way of putting it, seems uh, like pushback on him 
almost comes across as paranoia, even though we know that he's scheming. We know that Hightower's scheming. Yeah, and and we know it starts with uh, with Otto's older brother, the Lord Hightower. You know, his We do? We, yeah, we saw that at the uh, at the feast at the hunt. His Otto's older brother came to him and said, "You you need to make him see that oh, Aegon right. is the rightful heir." Right. So I read up on the high towers last night when I couldn't sleep after this episode, <laughs> and uh, they go back them high towers. Yeah. It, it, there was a Elena Terrell apparently had a quote that said some high tower went up into his high tower and didn't come down for forty years. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, yeah. And they're from like the area of Old Town. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. Then you ha- we have this amazing scene with Alicent and Rhaenyra in the Godswood, where Alicent levies these charges against Rhaenyra, and Rhaenyra, you know, they have this this careful trust between them, and they challenge each other on it. And Alicent wants to know if it's true. Rhaenyra is basically saying, "I can't believe you would believe this." Oh, and by the way, the hand passing the information to the king was step three. That was step three. Um, so Rhaenyra and Allison, the scene is beautiful. The scene is great. It's shot well. It's acted well. The placements, like whoever did the, the I don't know, if, for stagecraft, it's not choreography, but um, whoever placed them where they place them in the beginning, uh, Allison is higher than, than Rhaenyra because the godswood is at like the height, the height of a small hill in the, in there, you know? Um and at the end, their places switch, and Al, uh, Rhaenyra is looking down on Alicent because she's about a, about three inches higher on the path, even though they're the same height. I just mm-hmm. thought this scene was amazing. And that is cool. Yeah, I didn't I, um, even notice that I, sort of stuff. I liked this scene because it did accurately depict the dynamic of propriety versus freedom. And though, even though Allison wants freedom so badly, she is a fundamentally proper noble lady. And so the idea of impropriety horrifies her more than her own situation. Right. And I love the complexity of the conversation, knowing that she did sleep with Kristen. Right. So, that part right. keeps getting a. Uh, uh, right, forgotten, so but yeah, she spent the night with Kristen. The conversation starts by Allison asking her, "What did you do last night?" And right. so Im- immediately you have this, like, "Oh crap!" She's thinking that she's asking about something different than she's really asking about, and she's asking about <laughs> like yeah. the, that sort of like. Crossed communication in throughout this conversation to the extent that Allison interprets what she is told by Rhaenerys as meaning that Rhaenerys is still a virgin. Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra sorry. right? Yeah. Rhaenyra. Um, sorry. There's Viserys, Rhaenyra. Damon, I keep up, every time I read her name, I put Nessa in it, and so my notes Damon, are wrong. Sorry. Aegon. Yeah. Little Aegon. Yeah. Um, 
this is one of those scenes where, you know, when you're watching a show and you can identify a situation and it doesn't play out the way that you think it's going to, or, or you can identify with it, but it doesn't play out in any way that actually mirrors real life. <laughs> Anyone who's ever had a crazy night on the town knows exactly how Rhaenyra is feeling in this moment. <laughs> right. Like, what exactly are you talking yeah, about? You're accusing me of something. I need to know all the charges before I start answering any questions. Because even in my mind, I'm not sure which ones would offend you the most and which ones you might not know. So, And that conversation is played out similarly in a later scene, yes. but with different intent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. And in fact, it's, it's the next scene. Um, any, any other comments on, on this, this scene between Allison and Rhaenyra's? Nailed uh, it. Or Rhaenyra? Yeah. Now you wonderful. got me doing it. Um, okay. So next scene we cut to Millie. Yeah. <laughs> Damon returning to the court. He's met by the Kingsguard. They drag him up to the throne room. Oh, something I forgot to mention. Did you did you guys notice the regalia around Damon returning to the throne room the first time? And then the second time, it's like this guy so is different. so different. It is so different. The first time he comes in as a valid threat. The guard is guard or the king is guarded, he's got his king's guard, he's got his throne, he's got that big ass sword that we all know he can't swing. He in fact used it as a walking staff at one point. All the lords and ladies are there as witnesses, you know, like he's got the entire court there. And then this time, the Kingsguard throws Damon in the room and just leaves. And Rhaenyras walks out from the side door. He's not on the throne. He walks out from a side chamber. It's it's Rhaenyras. Um, (laughs) Sorry. What? Have I gotten it wrong? This is like Inception no, Targaryen you, style. You, you you are right, actually. It is Viserys. I'm right. Yes. It's Viserys, Viserys and Viserys. Rhaenyra. Yes. Okay. God. Richard is an agent of chaos. Yes. You're screwing all of us up. Well, thank you. <laughs> Viserys asked the same sort of line of questioning, but as, as Richard said, very different intent. His intent is not to find the truth. He believes he already knows the truth. Yeah. And he's there to get a confession so he can justify taking action. And even without saying what it is, if I remember the scene correctly, Damon's like, oh, yeah, I I, I totally had my niece. He, he never admitted to it. He didn't? No. No, he didn't. He did not. He because he doesn't have to, because even the he, perception of it is damning enough. I thought he intimated. Right. I, I, hmm, okay. Because at first it's, it's like, are you going to deny it? And then he says, I have to know what the charges are before I can discredit them. And then he says, right. you, you, uh, you, he didn't say sullied because that's what Allison said earlier. Uh, but he, basically you deflowered Defoiled. Rhaenyra yeah. and he doesn't deny it. He says, what of it? Okay. All right. Well, okay. But yeah. He, but he doesn't deny, he he definitely never denies it. But he never right. acknowledges it and says that it was true either. He kind of 
leaves it heavy in the air. Yep. So. I would like to point out here that of all of this, the incest is not the problem. Right. Right. No, that's that's family. In fact, Damon mentions that. He's like, marry her to me in the tradition of her family. You know, I'll take her in her current condition. Yeah, I'll I'll take her in her current condition because he believes that she's still a virgin because he doesn't know what happened after she left. Yeah. I mean, I thought this scene was going to definitely end with a uh, one of those medieval checking of the hymens, and then Sir Kristen Cole is going to be Sir right in a lot of trouble. But they didn't do that, and I, I, um, I appreciated that. So right after this, you see the servants going and lighting candles, and they have their little their little basket of flame to go around and light all the castle the candles for the castle. But you don't know that's what they're doing until they go and they split up. And then one of them walks through Allison's chamber. Like, it could have been that. It could have been Salem checking for the, the virgin witch, you know? It, oh, it's so, so amazingly crafted. I loved this episode, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, I uh, Matt is slowly catching up, and I was mad that he wasn't ready to watch this with me, because this would have been a good one. Um and then also real quick, Damon returning <laughs> yeah. that scene in the throne room was step four. That was the final piece, and and now he's got uh, a checkmate. He's got Viserys right where he wants him. You know, and also Damon instead of like getting up and leaving after that scene, he just rolls over. Which talk about things you can identify with? Come on, Richard, you know this. A not long night at South by, way too many beers, <laughs> and a cold stone floor. I'm not getting up. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm hugging every bit of that cold stone that I can get a hold of because it feels amazing. <laughs> I, I can happily report that I've always made it back to my warm bed, but whatever, whatever, buddy. <laughs> I've still enjoyed a long night out with my friends. <laughs> All right, Jenny, what were you going to say? I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't. Well, I meant to cut you off, but I didn't mean to distract you completely. <laughs> That's okay. I um uh. I thought that this episode was really, really good. And I was really happy, uh, to see that it was directed by a woman, uh, finally. Cause I don't like, I, I like, I really enjoy those scenes when they're directed by a woman. I feel like, um, uh, I feel like Kristen Cole is in trouble. If but not now, is he? real soon. Real soon. Is he? So I mean, that's a good question. What is the King's things- Guard allowed to and not allowed to do? There, there's two things that we uh, haven't really touched on. Uh, one is Viserys's insistence that now she must marry the son of the sea sink. Yeah. He is, this is her duty, and she's basically, this is her penance, if you will, well, for the situation. Even before that, there's a scene where um, Alicent and Viserys are talking in. She asks him, have you talked to her about it? And this is like the first time we've seen a conversation between these two where it wasn't king and queen. It was husband and wife. This is possibly their first actual marriage conversation where they saw each other, if not on the same plane, at least on the same team. Like they had an adult marital conversation about Allison's stepdaughter and Viserys's daughter. You know, this is, 
I think that's that's an important factor because that's going to play in the later episodes where Alicent isn't just this broodmare for the state. You know, right. she's not just the queen. She was actually his wife in that scene, that three minute scene or whatever it was. And I think that's going to play out, uh, pay dividends later in the story. And she's Rhaenyra's friend. Right. Right. She's like, she's fulfilling all of her roles right there, other than the broodmare, which none of us like. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and ultimately then the king makes the right decision to dismiss his hand. Otto Hightower. Well, because he he talks to Rhaenyra, and Rhaenyra's like, you know, I'll do my duty as and marry Lord of Laren, but you have to do your duty as king. Like, how can you not see the pieces falling right. together where this has all been, you know, for, I don't know, you know, she doesn't say for how long, but at least as far as she knows, it's been a play by the Hightowers to get power on the throne. And she's like, how have you been this blind? And he, that's, I think that's the key to him finally putting the puzzle together. And now he's like, yeah. oh, no, you're you're completely right. And that then takes us to our – my second thing that we missed, which is the last scene, and that's the morning after tea. Yeah. Right. And that, I think, is where that second account from the night in the town comes into play that – Viserys knows that something went on. And again, he's not pissed off about the incest aspect of it. But he wants to make sure that the legacy is secure. So he has the maesters craft this little plan BT. So you're saying that he has added reason to believe that something might have happened despite what his daughter's telling him. Right. Because there were now two people that reported that, yeah, she was definitely out there. Right. Two separate accounts. Now, the, the, the knight didn't see her and Damon in the brothel, but he, he did see them running around and, and acting a fool. Right. right. So, yeah, for sure. And so, that, yeah. that concoction, if you will, is why I ask, is... Kristen really in any trouble? Because that would have been the complication. Well, it depends. Did she take the tea? Did she drink it? (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Next week on General Hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But more importantly, I think this shows kind of a, a dual purpose to Rhaenyra. It shows that Viserys doesn't necessarily trust her and that he's willing to do whatever it takes to maintain power for the throne. So both of those denigrate uh, Rhaenyra in Rhaenyra's eyes as she looks at how uh, Viserys sees her. So this reduces her own station in her father's eyes, according to her, I think. Right. Hmm. Okay. It, it's yeah. it's just it's building a gap, you know. Um it's building it's building a a a a, a, a ditch between trust them. Trust issues. Yeah. Right, because he he doesn't he doesn't trust her, but he's still doing the right thing by her. 
Well, for the in kingdom. terms of getting rid of, yes, yes, yeah. yes. I think that's, he says, didn't doesn't he say she had the blood of the dragon in her a little too much? Like she's a yeah, well, like oh, she's yeah. a wild child. Yeah. She and she and his brother have the blood of yeah. the dragon in her. Yep. Can we? I have a question. I have a question. And I, I had a problem with this last time, and my problem is. I don't understand the significance of this big, huge, deep, dark secret forged into the knife that we forgot to talk about, the story of fire and ice that they must carry and not tell. What? Hey, remember that really popular Game of Thrones show that you guys all really liked? It's connected to that. that this show is connected to that show. I, I get that, but... What is it that they're hiding that they know that no that, no what are the, I don't understand there has I, go ahead Jane. I have an idea here I have an idea is that the knife the okay. knife that they're holding is that the knife that Sam Tarley finds up north uh, so that knife is the cat's paw dagger that knife is the knife that Littlefinger uses to start the assassination oh. attempt and all the right. the events of Game of Thrones, the main TV show, it's also the same dagger that Arya uses to kill the Night King. This is the dagger. That's the cat's paw dagger. Got it. Okay, that's pretty sweet. But still, the secret. Help it's, me understand that. They explained it in the first episode. There and have, I didn't get it then. There have been dreamers in the Targaryen line, and they've all been called madmen. They've all been shunned from society. If and they imagine the guys with the blue eyes. Their the dream just shows that the, the the threat will come from the north. I don't think it actually shows like the White Walkers. It just shows that the threat of winter will come from the north. It's kind of clouded. Um, the original person had the dream. I forget who it was, but they're the one that left Old Valeria. It was Aegon. No, it was. Um, it was Aeg- I'm sorry, Aegon's father. Dan- yeah, it was a, a, a elder relative had the first dream yep. that said there Valeria had the doom upon it, right? And so they went to an outpost on Dragonstone, and then I thought I understood that Aegon had the dream of the Song of Ice and Fire embedded into the knife. It, that it's along those lines. It's right in the area, but when when the original Targaryen, I don't say the original Targaryen, but the first dreamer told about the this prophecy, this prophetic dream that he had about the doom of Valyria, they were laughed out of court. So that, that cements the fact that Targaryens have this history of prophetic dreams. In, in fact, we see it in the House of the Undying with Danny when she can see the throne, and the throne room yep. looks almost the same as it did when she dies in the throne room later on in season eight. Um, the, the, Is this a good time to mention that we are spoiling both shows? Well, I mean, come on. I mean, this is a prequel. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, yeah. The uh, the Targaryens have this this line of dreamers, and the last time that they had this prophetic dream and they told people about it, they were laughed out of court and they lost their station. So they had to leave Valeria, which was part of the dream anyway, so it worked out. However, this is why they keep these visions a secret. And this is why it was such a big deal for Viserys to tell Rhaenyra about it, and especially now when he shows her the dagger... And you notice it was in the flames and neither one of them are harmed by it. Like they have the blood of the dragon. They have this, this prophecy that they are trying to fulfill, even though they don't know it's going to be 200 years from now. 
that's why it's it, the secret, quote unquote secret, is just there to keep them from telling everybody about it. And all of a sudden, everybody thinks they're cuckoo nuts and kicks them out. Which, by the way, is what would happen with the Mad King when Robert Baratheon eventually took the throne at the uh, seven years prior to the Game of Thrones season one. Okay, as a layperson watching this with no historical background through literature or otherwise, other than watching the TV series, I totally just wouldn't have gotten that. That's why I'm going to make a prediction, though. That's why you're supposed to listen to shows like this. Yeah. Can I make a prediction? Yes. Do it. I think that that White Walker King is going to rise ahead of the time when he rises in the Game of Thrones timeline, and somehow they're going to put his ass back to sleep. Because stop bringing it up unless you're going to do something with it eventually in this series. Mm, fair. Plus, there's certain things like they... Certain people know the White Walkers before season one starts because, like, Craster was out there sacrificing his sons to the White Walkers for two generations of of his daughters, you know? So, yeah. like, there is a known force to the north of the Wall, even if, according to the Night's Watch and according to, this, you know, the Starks and everything else, that it's just this this old mystery or whatever that they still believe in. So there, there could be. I mean, who's to it's say known. some of those kings? Who's to say some of those, you know, the riders next to the original guy aren't from this era? Right. Right. Hey. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I love this episode. I thought this episode was amazing. It was great. It was too dark. Hey, when is ca- hey when is Bran gonna cameo <laughs> in, in Ghostwalker form? Um, Talk I mean, about random predictions. Yeah, yeah. Although, uh, I did read a little history or, or watched a, a, a history video on it. The crow that Bran replaces, the three-eyed raven that Bran replaces, is yeah. actually from this time. Huh. So. See, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the weaving of things. Yeah, that'll happen into next season. This thing. That'll yeah, happen. Next some serious season. weaving. Yeah, that'll happen next season, but I think that that's going to be a remarkable event. And I'm sure that if I got any of this wrong, Kent will text me and I'll tell him to email the show. Yeah. And he won't, which reminds me if you have questions, comments, or corrections, you can email him at <laughs> let's talk about thrones at gmail.com. Or let us know on Twitter at about thrones. About thrones. Richard, where can people, uh, final thoughts and where can people find out about uh, where you, what you're doing? Perhaps my favorite episode yet. And you can find what I have to say about pretty much anything in any mood I'm in at Richard Gunther on Twitter. And Jenny, final thoughts, where can people find you? I liked it. At... <laughs> J-E-N-N-I-E-J-23 on Twitter. Oh, right. And I thought this episode was my favorite, definitely, of this series and maybe of maybe the entire show. There, I'm a, wow. Yeah, I really wow. enjoyed the perspective and the filming. I think this director needs to direct the entire uh, next season of this show. So Hell yeah, except, uh, you know. That's hard. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ethan Kane, E-T-H-A-N-C-A-I-N-E. And we will 
talk to you next week on Let's Talk About Thrones, House of the Dragon Edition. 